0: For those who don't know me, my name is Michelle, and I'm one of the leaders here at Trinity Life Church. I currently lead one of the Scarborough R3Gs, so all my Scarborough folks, I hope you don't let me down in the chat today. Say hi. All right. (laughs) Um, So we're in the middle of a series called Embracing Exile, and today I'm going to be talking about holiness and how it's not really what many people think it is. Many people think of holiness quantitatively, like a list of behaviors you can um, list out or things you can measure. Christians often view holiness legalistically, and that's become our goal, to remove our life of sin. But holiness is not our goal, it's our identity. Holiness results in a qualitative difference in life. So that's what I'm gonna talk about today. And my prayer is that you will walk away with a better understanding of what God really wants for your life, and it's good. Um, So I'm gonna start by asking this question. You guys can share your thoughts in the chat, but have you ever wanted to do something but ended up doing the opposite? This happens all the time, doesn't it? So one example from my life is, I really am trying to cut sugar from our diet. We eat too much sugar as a family. And that's been our goal and that's like, that's my intention, I I, I wanna do that. Um, But I just can't stop baking. Like I just, I bake almost every week. Like and I really, like I'm not committing to that goal and it's really embarrassing actually. Um, But that's just an example, like I really wanna stop but I just, I do the opposite. And so for you, there's probably other examples like that. Some of you want to get fit but you just can't get up in the morning to exercise. Some of you want to eat healthy, but you can't stop buying fast food. You can't avoid the chip, potato chip aisle in the grocery store. Um, some of us, we wanna be better with our money. We wanna, be, we wanna save more, we wanna be more generous, better stewards of our finances, but we just can't stop spending money on Uber, with Uber Eats. Um, some of us wanna see justice in the world, but we can't stop worrying about our own lives and the the little things that take up space in our minds. Maybe there's a habit you can't shake. Maybe there's an unhealthy behavior that you can't seem to stop. Integrity is really important to our culture today. We see this online all the time. Mike talked about cancel culture last week. Um, I don't know if you remember, but earlier on in the pandemic when the government was like, Um, stay home, don't travel, and then a bunch of leaders started taking vacations. People were not happy with that. Integrity is about honesty and consistency of character. Integrity actually evolved from the Latin word for whole or complete. It's about living a life of integrity means acting according to the values, beliefs, and principles that you claim to hold. Are you the same person when no one is looking? Are you the same person in different circles? Are you one way with one group and another way with another group? If we really think about it, the average person is not living as an integrated whole person most of the time. Fortunately for us, Peter has something to say about this and his solution to this is not so much about what we do, but it's about who we belong to. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. And as I was reflecting on this passage, um, one thing that really kind of surfaced for me, that's really stood out to me, was that we don't really like to think about why we do what we do. In verse 13, in verse 13 Peter says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. This preparing your minds for action is the Greek Um, expression, girding up the loins of your mind. And so I have an image to kind of explain what this means. What does it mean to gird up the loins of your mind? Well, back in the Greco-Roman world, men wore these long tunics. It was very fashionable back then. Um, But these long tunics were not actually practical when it came to doing manual, like hard labor or going into battle. It kind of got in the way. So what they would do was they would gird up their loins. They would hoist up their tunic put it under between their legs, wrap it around their front and tie it in the front so that their legs were free and they weren't weren't hindered. Um, And so that's what it means to gird up the loins. So so when Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind, what he's really saying is, get ready to really think. Don't be passive. Your mind is a battlefield. You're gonna have to do some hard work. Get ready to really think. And then he says, and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Being sober-minded, what does that mean? That means be clear-minded, not clouded, not impaired in your judgment. If you think about drunkenness or when you're drunk, like it impairs your judgment. So this is the opposite of that. This is having a clear mind. This is being sober-minded. And then in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Here, Peter is saying that before we were Christians, we were ignorant. Now, I know if you're not a Christian and you're watching this, you're probably thinking, what do you mean we're ignorant? Christians are ignorant. You, and that's probably true. Some of us are probably ignorant. Um, and some of you are thinking, "Like that's why I'm not religious, because I'm a thinker. Religious people or people of faith are often seemed as, they're often, um, people think of us as weak-minded. Like we don't really do our thinking. We just kind of subscribe to this thing because we don't want to think. But here Peter's saying the opposite. He's saying that Christians are supposed to think, you know, really think about life. And I'm going to challenge that perspective that religious people or people of faith don't think. Um, Many of us, many Christians, have actually done a lot of thinking. And most people that I meet on a day-to-day basis, um, they don't wanna ask these big questions about life, like, why are you here? What's the purpose of your life? What are you living for? Like, what's the purpose of your job and this path that you're on? Like, what does it all mean? What's the purpose of it? What does it all mean? I remember, like, there was one friend, when I started asking these questions, she just said to me, Michelle, that's religious talk, and, I don't know, I think these questions are really important and so does Peter and he says, we really need to think. How can we have true integrity or true wholeness, integrated mind, body and soul if we don't think about why we do what we do? The second thing that I noticed when I was reflecting on this passage, um, a thought that came to me was that we don't like to obey anyone because we see obedience as a bad thing. In verse 14, Peter says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And then in verse 17, he says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now, for some people, this is triggering because like obedient children conduct yourselves with fear. That just sounds awful to our culture. We really don't like obedience. This idea of submitting to an authority, obeying an authority, we really don't like that. We don't like being told what to do. Obedience is bad. But I want to challenge that. Is obedience really a bad thing? Like if your parents love you and they want to protect you, and they ask you to do something out of that love, is that obedience a bad thing? Like, if you obey your parents in that case, is that a bad thing? I have a 16-month-old at home, Jasper, and this kid is something else, okay? Like, when he was 10 months, he started walking, and he's just so excited. He was so excited to move, and literally every day, I'm not kidding, like, every day for two months, he would get a new bruise or, like, um <laughs> cut on his face and I, I just felt like an awful mom and I, it's not like I was negligent or anything. He was just so excited to move that he would move faster than his legs could carry him. And so he would literally stand up and then, Hit his head on the floor or he'd be running and then not be able to stop himself and he'd run right into like a cabinet or something and he's 16 months now and he hasn't really changed like i can't turn my back on him for a second or he'll be he'll be up on the table or he'll be trying to get in our knife drawer in the kitchen and this kid has broken our childproof locks on our cabinets like that's how crazy it is and so i'll often say to him jasper sit down um, tables are not for climbing, sit on your bum, sit in the chair, and he'll just be like, hey, hey, look at me and give me this look. And, and I'll, I'll be thinking like, oh man, and is he being willfully disobedient? Absolutely not, he's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better. And so is obedience a bad thing in this case? Like, I really love him, I don't want him to get hurt. So the issue is not that obedience is a bad thing. If you really, really search your heart, I think some of you don't want to obey God because you don't trust him. That's the issue. And I get it. I didn't trust God either. When I was 17, like by the time I was 17, I had experienced and witnessed a lot of things in the world, things that children shouldn't experience and witness. And I just saw this suffering in our world. And I could not reconcile that suffering with the idea of a good God. How could he allow all of this to happen? And I remember I actually had a moment at 17 where I was sitting in my room and I was thinking about this and I cursed God. I said, I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. I can be a good person without you because I thought that that's what religion was. It was just a list of rules or things that would make you a good person. If you followed it, you'd be a good person. I thought, I don't need God's rules. I can be a good person. I don't need him. And so I rejected him. And some of you, maybe that's where you're at today. You don't trust God. Why should you submit to Jesus? Why? So what changed for me? Why did I choose Jesus? Why have Christians for more than 2,000 years been choosing Jesus? Why have we been choosing Jesus? In verse 18, What does it mean when Peter says you were ransomed? So his audience was, there was still slavery going on in this day in the Greco-Roman world and um, oftentimes you became a slave because you had a debt that you couldn't pay. And um, so when it says here that Jesus ransomed you but not with silver or gold, it's saying that he bought you back. This is an, uh, this is a picture of redemption. He bought you, he purchased you and he didn't purchase you with silver or gold, he purchased you with his blood, this is he paid a high price so that we could have freedom. And um, not only that, he didn't just buy us and now we're his slave or we're free. He raised us to the status of sonship. That's why it says obedient children. It talks about God being our father. We are adopted into God's family. And when we're adopted, back in that day, when you were adopted, you became a son and you had the same inheritance as a biological son would have. You inherited all the same privileges. So here, when it says you were um, that we were ransomed, and then that this idea of being adopted, what it's saying is we share in Christ's inheritance. Everything Jesus has, we have access to as well. The kingdom, everything, everything that He has access to, and Jesus paid a high price for this. You know, nowadays everyone's all about free, you know, um, let's fight for the marginalizers. We talk, we're talking about oppression a lot and let's change our systems and um, free the oppressed, right? And that is good. We should be doing that. But I'm going to ask how many of you go beyond posting a hashtag? I don't know. I, I know, like I'm challenged by that too. Well, here Jesus Went beyond a hashtag. He literally laid down his life for us, and we're minimizing that. We belong to a God who is worthy of our obedience. He did not hold anything back. And it says Jesus was like a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus, that just means that he was blameless, he was pure, he was innocent. Jesus actually lived that life of integrity and wholeness that we're all striving for. No one would be able to catch this, catch him on your cell phone camera doing anything inconsistent with what he taught. That's the life he lived and it was attractive. People were drawn to that. Jesus is worthy of our obedience because he lived the wholeness that we are all looking for. Guys, we pay a lot of money We we pay personal trainers a lot of money to give us their expertise so that we can get fit. We spend a lot of money on books and things to learn from experts so that we can improve our lives. And here was a man who lived the life that we are all striving for. And we we don't wanna follow his ways. We don't wanna submit to his ways. We belong to a God who is worthy of our obedience. He's worthy of our obedience because he knows what he's talking about. So what does this mean for you and me today? How do we actually experience this integrity or wholeness that Jesus lived? And this is where holiness comes into the picture, the word holiness. So there's this key verse, verse 15, and it says, but he who called you is holy. Sorry, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What does holy mean? What is this verse saying? And I, I think some of you are thinking, like, in our culture, we think of holiness. We think of, like, holy, holy. Like, it's kind of a negative thing. Like, oh, you're holier than, than you know, you think you're holier than that. Like, it's just like this negative thing. It's about, um, you know, following all the rules and thinking that you're better or more righteous than someone else. But holy, that's not what holiness means at all. Um, And even Christians have gotten it wrong. Like we think holiness is about our behavior and it's about doing all the right things. You know, reading your Bible, going to church, seeming holy, like by how we act. Holiness means to be set apart. Okay, so God is holy. He is different from all of creation. He is set apart, he is unique. There is no one like him in all of creation. He is holy, he is set apart. And then God chose Abraham to establish a holy nation. This nation was to be set apart, different from all the other nations, set apart. Um, And not just different, but actually set apart so they could be used by God. And so, If you think about this, like if you're a baker and sometimes you have recipes where you need to separate the egg yolks from the egg whites. So I had to bake cookies one time and I needed egg yolks only in this recipe. And so in order to use the egg yolks, I had to separate them from the whites. I had to actually scoop them out and put them in a separate bowl. I couldn't use those egg yolks until I set them apart, separated them. So holiness is not merely a list of things to avoid or behaviors to follow. Holiness is fundamentally a devotion to God. And that devotion results in a qualitative difference in life. Holiness is saying, here I am, I'm yours. I'm fully set apart for you to use me as you wish. I want to belong to you. I want to be your child. I want to give myself to you. We belong to a God who is worthy of our obedience. And so one thing that we need to do is we need to stop focusing on what we can do to be holy. We need to stop focusing on that. And because if you just get caught in behaviors or practices or traditions, all these things that we try to do to be holy, we, we miss the mark. Like, instead we should focus on who we belong to. Who are we belonging to? Who are you saying, here I am, I'm yours, use me as you wish that's what holiness means. And then the second thing is, you need to give Jesus full ownership of your house. And what do I mean by that? So um, my sister and her husband, Isaac, they're probably watching this right now. If I said to them, hey guys, here's the keys to to our house. You can have the whole house, it's yours. I'm sure Isaac would be like, great, give me that house. And then what what if I said to him, but you know that room in the basement we're still gonna store our stuff there. And we might come once in a while and you know, use that room. I might, if I'm passing through town, I might stay in that room. If I said that to Isaac, he'd be like, you're not giving me your house, you still own the house, right? Like to give someone ownership of your house, you have to give them full ownership of your house. You don't have, you don't keep back anything, any part of it. So to be holy is to be wholly his to surrender your full self to Him, your minds, your desires, your will. What part of your life have you not surrendered to Jesus? We belong to a God who is worthy of our obedience, but we still are having a hard time surrendering our whole house, our whole selves to God. What things are you hiding in your life, keeping away from God? It says that he judges us impartially according to our conduct. He sees it all. He, you know, he, he's fair. Um, conduct yourselves in a way that um, lives out of this holiness, like live in fear. He's, this fear doesn't mean you're scared of him. It means that you respect him. Like, if you think about this, like, you know, a lot of things are happening in our culture today where um, we're catching like, okay, this is a good example. Police officers, they're doing a whole bunch of corrupt things all the time. And all it takes is a camera to catch that. Right. And then suddenly the whole thing comes down. Like you see that they're not people of integrity. They're not living what they value, what they, they claim to hold. And so if you live your life as if you have a camera on you all the time, that would change the way you live. You would surrender your fault. You wouldn't be inconsistent. Like that's the kind of whole surrender that we're being called to live out of. What? So what are you hiding? Think about um, maybe you. You're, maybe you say to God, like God, you can have my Sunday. You can have maybe even the occasional service project or opportunity when I, you know, go and do something for my neighbor. But the rest of the week, that's mine. My evenings, that's mine. That's when I just, you know, binge on Netflix. That's when I play those games that I want to play. And that's, I'm not saying those things are bad things, but it's all about, like, are you saying, here I am, I'm yours? Are you living out of that wholeness? Are you surrendered? Are you wholly belonging to God? Friends, I want to ask you, what would happen if we truly lived out of our holiness, as I mentioned, people don't often have a problem with Jesus. I actually have never met a person who was like, oh yeah, Jesus, he was a bad guy. Like, I don't, you know, most people are like, yeah, I respect him. He taught some cool things. They don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the church. We are not living out of our holiness. We are not living out of our wholeness and it's hindering our witness. We are not wholly obedient. We are not people of integrity. We are not the same people when no one is looking. We are inconsistent in different places. We have our Christian friends and we have our own language, our Christianese and our traditions and our behaviors. And then when we're with our friends who are not Christians, we act a different way. We are not not consistent. We are not living out of wholeness. If we all lived out of our identity of wholly belonging to Jesus, this would hugely impact our world. We would probably all look a little bit more like Jesus. We would be more like Jesus. We might even have the same impact that Jesus had on everyone he met. So that's the invitation. The inv- it's, he's not going to force you. We don't get forced into this. It's a choice to belong to him, to live out of this holiness. Let me pray for us today. God, we thank you that that you're not expecting us to follow all the rules and do all the right things. You You knew that we couldn't. You knew that we had a debt and it needed to be paid and you paid that price for us and it was costly for you. But in doing that, you raised us up to a new identity as adopted children of you. And we share in the inheritance of Jesus. We share, we have access to all those things. And it's really just a choice to belong to you, to live out of that wholeness, out of that belonging to Jesus. God, shift our perspective. Let us focus on those things, on the fact that we belong to you and let that change how we act. Make us whole. Make us people of integrity. Make us holy, like you, so that we can really show people what Jesus, what you're like. We can really be your hands and feet in the world. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you wanna know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca, or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.